0: And, uh, Rita, I understand Ambassador Bolton is on the phone. Exactly. We have former Ambassador John Bolton, of course, the ambassador to the United Nations. Ambassador Bolton, we're talking about all these issues on the streets. In the middle of all this, the Biden administration's rumored to be working on sort of a mini agreement with Iran secretly. Uh, Netanyahu's, you know, furious. Many Americans are furious. What is going on with this administration and Iran? This is frightening.
1: Well, it is. They just cannot shake the obsession that uh, if they can talk Iran back uh, to let them back into the 2015 nuclear deal, that the uh, sweetness and light will break out in the Middle East. Uh, and, and in the meantime. Iran is busy crushing its own population. It continues its effort to get deliverable nuclear weapons. It's still supporting terrorism. I mean, it really is a a kind of a theological obsession that the Biden administration has. But the way it will work is that uh, that the Iranians will do something, make a promise on the nuclear side they have no intention of keeping. And in exchange for that, we will release billions, maybe tens of billions, of frozen assets that will go right back into being uh, either a lifeline for this uh, for the for the regime in Tehran which is very squeezed economically or they'll just take the money and put it into terrorism military and nuclear activities there's there's no good deal here for the United States Ambassador you know I, mean? I
0: remember when uh, President uh, uh, Obama sent two plane loads worth $100 bills. In the second. middle of the night, remember? It was pallets in the middle of the night, too, John. No, no, it wasn't $100 bills. No, they didn't. It was pounds, euros, and Swiss, what do they uh, need, you know, yeah, because they, it, they need. To send American dollars, President Obama had to get permission from Congress, and he bypassed Congress, and that's why he sent foreign
1: currency. Yeah, listen, the the treaty power is something the Senate has given way too much up on over the years. Uh, If they do this uh, uh, side deal, the secret mini deal that they've been working on, really, Congress has got to take action. Congress, the Senate in particular, has got to stand up for its constitutional authority. I think that means cutting off dramatically, reducing appropriations for the State Department, things like that that get the bureaucrats' attention.
0: Judge Weinberg? Ambassador, I'm deeply troubled because they're going to say this deal is not really a deal. It's an ishkabibble, and therefore you don't have to go through con- congressional authorization.
1: Yeah, I mean, No, you look, you're exactly right. It's, they're going to call it an understanding. And, uh, you know, they just think Congress is uh, filled with people who won't stand up to protect their own prerogatives. And, and I hope they're wrong on that. I've, I've talked to members of the Senate in particular. I think they understand what's at stake. The question is whether – Uh, They're willing to get enough others to go along with it. But I think this is a point that has to be understood here. I think it ties in, unfortunately, as a matter of attitude with the current Secretary of State Blinken's trip to China, where he met with Xi Jinping today. They're just so desperate to, to want to talk to these people. It doesn't matter whether they get agreements that favor the United States. Uh, out of these talks they just want to talk for the sake of talking and it really we're missing opportunities we're missing threats that are coming our way because of this approach
0: yeah by the way everybody uh, later on in the show here on cats and cosby we're going to have gordon Chang talk about china too by the way um everybody we're talking to former un ambassador john bolton tony carbonetti
1: john how are you um you just mentioned that iran is continuing their efforts to go nuclear It has always been the United States job, Israel's job, to prevent that from happening. As they get closer, and and I don't know whether we've lost the will or the power to prevent them from doing so, if they become nuclear or when they become nuclear, what does that do for the balance of power in that region? And won't won't, all the other countries want want to do it as well? They absolutely will, and they're beginning to lay the groundwork for it now. I don't think the government in Tehran believes that the Biden administration will use force, if necessary, to stop their nuclear activities. They they think this administration has no backbone. Unfortunately, so do many of our allies in the region. I think the Israelis are being very polite about it, but I don't think uh, the the government in uh, Jerusalem thinks that the U.S. will act. And I don't think the United Arab Emirates, the Saudis, the Kuwaitis, Uh, I don't think any of the Gulf Arabs uh, believe that we will act. So this could well come down to uh, whether Israel is determined to act. I think Netanyahu will. I think he understands the stakes. I think almost everybody in Israel understands the stakes that if Iran gets nuclear weapons, Israel is subject to a nuclear holocaust, and they're not going to permit that to happen. But we shouldn't have to depend on Israel. We have a huge interest in uh, preventing this from happening, and and the only Biden administration uh, approach is, is to try and beg the uh, uh, the uh, regime in Tehran to take more billions of dollars and make pledges on the nuclear side. They will not follow through on as they have violated the 2015 deal, which was a thoroughly bad deal to begin with. They're prepared to sign a lot of things. We don't have visibility into what they're doing at their military mm-hmm. bases mm-hmm. on the nuclear program. Notwithstanding. Advocates of the deal say we do. We do not, and neither does the International Atomic Energy Agency.
0: Well, Saudi Arabia does not like the White House. Uh, They've been aligning themselves with China and bringing in other countries. How many countries are they up to now? There was Argentina, Brazil, uh, Venezuela. Who else?
1: Well, there's anybody, South Africa, anybody that uh, wants to talk to them, the, the Saudis and other Gulf Arabs are hedging their bets. Uh, in, in classic Eastern style because they, they think the United States lacks the resolve to, to protect itself and protect its allies against the people who are threatening. Let's, let's remember that the Biden campaign uh, domestically in, in 2020 was largely based on condemnation of oil and gas. That is to say to the Gulf Arabs, we're going to put you out of business, uh, calling uh, uh, the Saudis pariahs for the murder of uh, Khashoggi Negotiating with the Iranians over the heads of the Arabs and and of Israel, you know, it's no wonder they're hedging their bets. The the these are people who have stuck with the United States. I mean, I was just recently uh, in the Middle East and uh, and heard very senior Arab officials talk about how the U.S. is letting China uh, get into the region in ways they've never seen before, and we're just letting it happen.
0: Your Royal Highness uh, Prince Pavlu is here with us in the studio. You have a question for the ambassador? Uh, your Excellency, good, good afternoon. Uh, pleasure to talk to you. Um, and just to, what are your thoughts? I mean, uh, the uh, the prince of uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Mohammed, has done a lot of work in, in modernizing his society. And, um, I, you know, we see a real result from that. There's a lot of people going back there. There's a lot more activity going on. And the relationship with the United States has been terrific as a result of that. Now, in in Iran, they've done none of of those things, and they've had people on the streets complaining about their rights and so forth. How can one change those people to make them understand that they have to give their people human rights again and and, and let women walk on the street like normal human beings and and behave like a traditional society?
1: Well, I think the regime in Tehran is hopeless. I mean, I think uh, the way they've treated uh, the the demonstrations against them since They murdered Masa Amini uh, eight or nine months ago now. Uh, shows they have not moderated from the Islamic Revolution of 1979. They're just as hard-line as they ever were. I I really think the only long-term answer, both for the people of Iran and and for the Gulf Arabs, Israel, the United States, and the rest of the world, is to get a new regime there. Let me just say one thing about Mohammed bin Salman. He is extraordinarily popular in Saudi Arabia, especially among the young people. Uh, because of what he's doing, his vision for the future, it's a, it's a long road, a difficult road. But comparing what he's trying to do to what the Ayatollahs are doing in Tehran, it's night and day, and yet the administration is pursuing deals with the Ayatollahs uh, and struggling to, to make it clear to uh, MBS that, that we stand with the Saudis and the other Gulf Arabs against the Iranian threat.
0: Ambassador, we got one minute left. What do you want to tell the American people?
1: Well, I think, uh, look, as we come into a presidential election, it's time for people to go to their political leaders, people who are running for president, running for the Senate, running for the House, and say, tell me how you're going to protect America in an increasingly challenging world. You know, if you can't get the politicians to listen to you in an election campaign season, you're not going to get them to listen to you at any point. I I really do think there are enough uh, international threats that we face, our friends and allies face. This has got to be more of a subject of debate and conversation this election season than it has been in a lot of the recent elections.
0: Well, Ambassador John Bolton, thank you for everything you've done for our country. Thank you for speaking out, and uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon.
1: Okay, belated Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Happy Father's (laughs) Day. You too.